0: Nice to see you all here. I'm Doug Fullington. I'm manager of audience education here at PMB. This is our final repertory of the season, opening tonight. Four ballets, so it's a big evening. Uh, We then move into our uh, final sort of gala program of the year on June 9th. I'll talk a little bit about that once we've talked about tonight. That's our season encore performance, and of course the school uh, performances come after that. So a lot going on this time of year, and it all starts with tonight. So we've got four works. I'm going to talk about them in the order that we'll see them. I'm very happy to answer any questions or discuss anything you'd like as we go along, so don't hesitate to uh, flag me down and jump in, and we'll go from there. We're opening tonight with Signature. Signature is a ballet uh, by one of our own dancers, Price Sudarth. Price is a soloist with the company. Peter commissioned this work from him in 2015. It opened in the second repertory of that year, November of 15. So we're about three and a half years out from that and it's back in the repertory a second time. Some changes of cast, but a lot of people in there original spots. It's what we'd call an ensemble ballet. Everyone's sort of a leading dancer in this for 15 dancers. Price has written a nice note uh, in the program about this work. Not everyone wants to write a note, particularly these days, about their works, which I think fine either way, but Price has written a nice one sort of about how he came... Uh, to a conclusion about what he was trying to do with this ballet, and it really is a ballet of uh about individuals in a group of individuals, if you will, and I think that 's because he 's choreographing for his own colleagues. Uh, his wife is in the mix of that even as well, and uh the idea that there aren't the focus for him aren 't the particular things that set people apart, but that they 're all individuals that just uh as they are in a group of individuals. And I think that sort of informs the structure of the ballet. Everyone is highlighted at particular points. They come together. Uh, they move apart. Their solos and duets and different combinations. Uh, the score was also a commission. The score is a commission from Barrett Onsbach. And uh, the last name may ring a bell. He's the brother of Jessica Onsbach, who is a longtime company dancer and retired a few seasons ago. So this is a a uh, commission from Barrett, so everything was new about this piece. And I know that both Price and Barrett have taken the opportunity to revisit their work with this revival and uh, make a few changes both to the score and to the choreography. I don't have the details other than being told they've made some changes to the score and the choreography. But that's not unusual, and I think they appreciate the opportunity to revisit a work. Um, It's something Crystal Pite has done uh, with us with both of the works we've danced of hers, Emergence and Plot Point. She took the time and took the opportunity to revisit both of those and make some changes uh, that she felt she wanted to once she had seen sort of the first run or two two of the work. So that's not unusual. I'm going to go right on into our next pieces, and we're just going to move right on through. We have an intermission after Signature, and then we have two back-to-back, uh, Tarantella followed by the Moore's Pavon, so sort of double header in the middle. Tarantella is a showpiece by George Balanchine. It's six minutes. Uh, does anyone in here do CrossFit? CrossFit, you know, is an hour-long sort of workout, but it always ends with a workout of the day, W-O-D. And sometimes they're long, and sometimes they're six minutes. And you'd think, that's not long. But given what you have to do in the six minutes, it's an eternity. Tarantella is choreographed a little bit like that for the dancers. You think, oh, six minutes. Oh, man. Going six minutes. It's very exciting. It was made in 1964 New York City Ballet for Patricia McBride and Edward Villella. They were real stars. They were young, hot shots, kind of boy and girl uh, next door type. And you can see this in the sort of casualness of the uh, dance. Uh, Tarantella is an Italian dance. Uh, They have a sort of... uh, Italian features and colors in the costumes. They have tambourines. And what's interesting to me, as someone who works with a lot of 19th century ballet, is this duet is sort of set up like a 19th century, mid-19th century duet was. You might be saying, what? But I can't resist talking about this duets in that period of time often 1830s 40s 50s the man and the woman often danced the same thing side by side rather than the man partnering the woman say like in later 19th century works like uh, Swan Lake or Sleeping Beauty oftentimes they would dance side by side and alternate in many short solo uh, passages and that's exactly what Balanchine has done here he um He has them start out together, but very soon after that, the man dances while the woman takes a little bit of a breather, and then the woman dances and the man and the woman, and then they come together and very rapidly alternate, and then finally they dance together a little bit at the very end. I think that Balanchine may have been very influenced by the Danish choreographer August Bornenville. Bornenville was the great Danish choreographer of the 19th century, and one of his greatest works is called Napoli. It's set in Naples, Oregon Ballet Theatre, just performed it last year. It was great and a lot of fun. There's a very famous, in the ballet world, Tarantella in the final act of Napoli. And uh, I can't help but think Balanchine was inspired by Bourneville's Tarantella in creating his own because he's definitely paying some uh, homage to this 19th century duet structure of kind of anything you can do, I can do better. Um, you've got two great performers tonight, Angelica Generosa and Kyle Davis. They sort of danced the socks off of this thing. Angelica learned Tarantella from Patricia McBride. So straight from the source, if you will. She said that Patricia would often, say, or Patty as they call her, would often say, just have fun with this. Just have fun here. But it's also really, really hard. So uh, it's very exciting. It's just one of these sort of boundless energy pieces. And it's just uh, a lot of fun. We've got three casts. The other casts are Lita Biasucci with Price Sudarth and Sarah Gabrielle Ryan with Christian Poppy. And everyone's making their debut in Tarantella, except Angelica, because she's done it before. And uh, we also performed this last season on our season encore, uh, when Matthew Renko was leaving the company, and Angelica and Matt danced uh, Tarantella. So it has been in our rep for quite a while, since 1985, but I don't think we performed it since '95, if I'm right. No, we must have performed it one time after that but not much uh, after that. It's been quite a while since it's been in the repertory. So uh, it's a lot of fun to have it back. I think Peter Bull felt we had some great casts for Tarantella. You had to be able to dance really hard stuff and make it look easy and like it's, you're just tossing it off. And we, we have that uh, in, in the company now, and uh, so something to look forward to. Definitely a party piece. So six minutes of joy and then something very different with the Morse Pavon. Uh, Morse Pavon will follow after a short pause. It's also a work we've had in the repertory since the 1980s. It's by Jose Limon, and it really is considered a masterpiece of American modern dance. I was reading more about it because I'm not very fluent in the different uh, ways that uh, the American modern Choreographers of the 20th century have sort of been codified. Um, Of course, we have Martha Graham, which is a very well-known name, but there's also José Limón, his teacher Doris Humphreys, Ted Sean, who was very involved at Jacob's Pillow in uh, Massachusetts. I'm still learning, and there may be some of you that know all this much better than I do, but I do know a little bit about Morse Pavon having seen it here at PNB over the years. I know it's a piece that Peter really admires and decided this also, like Tarantella, was a good time to bring it back into the repertory. Uh, This is a work for four dancers. It is what we might call a distillation of Shakespeare's Othello. It's about 20 minutes long. The four dancers are on stage together the entire time. And a real uh, sense of uh, tension builds. I'm sure many of you are familiar, familiar with the Othello story. And by distilled, he, he, I mean he brings it down to four characters. We have Othello and his wife Desdemona. We have Iago and his wife Amelia. And we see through very stylized dance how Iago plants the seed of suspicion in Othello's mind that Desdemona has been unfaithful, and how Iago uses his wife, Amelia, to strengthen that, and how Othello is overcome with jealousy and kills Desdemona, and that is the crux of the story. Of course, in the play there are many, many more characters, there are many more elements, but uh, Limon's, uh goal here was to really distill it down um many interesting things here it's called the moore's pavan a pavan is a courtly dance that was popular in the 1500s the 1600s many baroque composers uh, in writing various dance movements that might make up a larger work wrote pavans. and limon uses a very stylized way of moving to uh, have these four dancers perform courtly dances with each other that then start to disintegrate as the drama plays out. So in one, I want to say in one sense there are two things happening. There is the sort of societal norm of what is required of these uh, individuals as they show themselves in public or as they would uh, be in a court setting, but then uh, behind that, there are the personal tragedies, the suspicions, treachery, and such that create the drama in this story. A handkerchief is used. This was uh, played an important part in the play, uh, the placement of a handkerchief that would cause Othello to believe that Desdemona was unfaithful to him, and this is uh, immediately evident in the dance. It's the one prop that Limon uses. The movement style is something that I just love to watch the dancers do. Uh, Limon studied with Doris Humphreys, who has a technique or an idea about movement that she referred to as fall and release, that is still a style and theory that is used today. Dancers sort of, fall in a sense, and way oversimplified. Dancers falling or moving off balance in such a way and having to bring themselves back into balance sort of in the same way or with the same level of energy with which they fell out of it. So you can fall with less energy and come back with less energy. You can do something very dramatic, but have to do something equally as sort of dramatic or with the same level of energy to bring yourself back. That might sound very simplistic, but when you watch the dancers move on stage, there is a real, to my eye, beauty and order to how they do this. There's also a very sculptural quality to Limon's choreography that was very important in ballet in the 19th century and has changed quite a bit as time's gone by to a little bit more maybe two-dimensional way of moving because we're seeing things through only through the proscenium and not like a sculpture, say, that's set up in the middle of a presentation room in a museum that you can walk around and see the harmony of the limbs. This choreographic style really shows that if one arm is here, the opposing leg will be curving around the other way and uh, to me that's exceptionally beautiful. Also the pacing of this choreography, which is maybe slower than we see in more contemporary things, now allows us, I think, to almost see everything, which is very satisfying, I think, as a viewer. And I feel like I'm verging on telling you how to feel about this <laughs> work, and I really don't want to, but I think these are things to look for in the work. How he is, uh, he is um, championing this certain style of movement, how he's creating this courtly, atmosphere, but also working into it a very highly dramatic story in 20 minutes with these four people on stage. The costumes are very striking. Uh, each character has a color. Uh, Othello's is a maroon. Iago's is kind of a mustard color. Emilia, Iago's wife, is in red. Uh, Desdemona, who is innocent, has a uh, white and the most amazing sleeves on her costume. These are very iconic. The costumes you see tonight are the same ones we built in the 80s and have been worn by every cast, Colleen Neary, uh, Louise Nadeau, all the wonderful casts that we've had. We have a terrific stager who was sent by the Limón Foundation. Her name is Jennifer Scanlon. Uh, Jennifer was the first stager of uh, Morse Pavan for us in the 80s, and we had two other stagers along the way. But Jennifer has been staging Morse Pavan for 49 years. She danced Emilio with Limon. She danced Morse Pavan with Rudolf Nureyev, with Eric Brun. I mean, just... Wow, she's got stories, too. <laughs> Nareev wanted to wear the wooden shoes for the stage rehearsal. She refused. He would not look at her. She can go on and on. But uh, she really knows the style and really knows what Limon was going for. She wrote a beautiful card to the cast that's upstairs backstage about how their intention creates the emotion and the drama and makes it real. She would tell them, don't do ballet hands do do a real hand if you reach if you were reaching for someone just reach for someone as you would do it in real life and so amid this stylized movement and the stylization of the music by henry purcell we still have the sort of reality of the gesture. I think it's the gestures that really create the drama here. I could go on and on about <laughs> this. I think it's quite stunning. And I feel like some of the dancers cast, we see a different side of them because of this experience focusing on a, a very particular style, or the Limon technique, as it's called. So I'm thrilled to have this back <laughs> in the repertory. And I think you're going to see a beautiful cast tonight. We have. Um, two casts, but we have three, uh, three Othellos, three Moores. Tonight, Joshua Grant, uh, Jonathan Peretta makes his debut tomorrow, James Moore uh, next week. So worth seeing them all if you uh, are planning to come back. So that's Morris Pavan. There's a lot of research and writing about Morris Pavan. You can watch uh, films of Limon dancing it online. It's very accessible. So if you're interested in it, there's lots of material out there. Anyway, I think it's great. Okay. Advertisement over. Theme and variations by George Balanchine follows. This is... uh, also considered a masterpiece, a masterpiece by Balanchine, of which there are many. Uh, Interestingly, this was made in 1947, two years before Moore's Pavan, so you can really see the 40s were a very fertile period in the development of American dance. We have things, these two dances, which are so different, made just two years apart, and and, uh, uh, they they show very different uh, ideas and are equally successful. A theme in variations is uh, Balanchine Ballet that is looking back to, to Imperial Russia, which is where he was born and the milieu that he grew up in and was trained in. Balanchine was not looking back so much before the 1940s. In the 20s, he was really uh, forward-looking. He was influenced by constructivist ideas and artwork in Russia. He was very influenced by Diaghilev and the Ballet Russe. Next week, we're performing Balanchine's Prodigal Son from 1929 on the Encore program. It's an amazing work that looks like it's from its time period, still 90 years later, which is amazing. Getting into the 40s, Balanchine was starting to create works that were paying homage to this classical style that he grew up in, particularly the works of Marius Pettipa, the great French choreographer who worked in St. Petersburg and died in 1910. Balanchine revived Petipa's *Raymonda*, a full-length ballet for Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo in 1946. In 1947, he created Theme Variations and Symphony in C, which was first made for Paris Opera Ballet. So we have these big tutu ballets, a 1941 Ballet Imperial, which was made for a State Department tour to South America who to thunk? Along with Concerto Barocco. So Balanchine was really looking back and, and creating ballets in the classical style, but always what we might call streamlined or distilled. Theme of Variations is often compared to the feel and look of The Sleeping Beauty, which we saw earlier this year, which has many, many classical dances, but separated by the story and pantomime and elements of processions and things like that. With theme and variations, it's almost as if he took all the dancing parts and, and put them back-to-back back in this 22-minute ballet. It's set to the last movement of Tchaikovsky's uh, Orchestral Suite number 3, which dates from 1884, just six years before Sleeping Beauty was composed it is uh, this movement is in theme and variations form. So we hear the melody, the theme at the beginning. Balanchine has the dancers do very simple steps. The first step is what we call a batma tandu, which simply means the leg moves out from the body and is stretched, something the dancers do every day very early in their class that they take each day. So Balanchine's really showing this sort of academic technique, and as the variations of the music develop and grow and become more complicated, so does the choreography. Uh, Baryshnikov, Mikhail Baryshnikov, the famous Russian dancer who was performing in the 60s and 70s and 80s, is said to have called theme and variations the most challenging work he's danced. Uh, The choreography is challenging and it's also quite naked, if you will. Uh, You don't have to be uh, an expert in ballet to know if it's done right or not done right. They're very, very exposed uh, steps which is part of the beauty of it. This is a very hierarchical ballet uh, in contrast to Signature, which we might call an ensemble work. This work has two principal dancers, sort of at the top of the hierarchy, four couples that we refer to as demis, short for demi-soloist, and eight couples in the corps de ballet. So this is very much a hierarchy and reflects the kind of hierarchy that was used to create these... Uh, large-scale works in Russia at the end of the 19th century. Uh, Like uh, Tarantella, almost everybody's making a debut in this work. Leslie Rausch and Jerome Tisserand tonight. The only person who's done it before is Lucien Postalwaite, who is dancing with uh, Lita Biasucci. Other casts, Kyle Davis and Angelica Generosa, and Laura Tisserand with Dylan Wald. So we're getting four casts in seven shows. Uh, it's a great opportunity to perform this work, and I know Peter Boll wants to give as many dancers a chance as possible. Uh, it's a very sort of uplifting work. It sort of celebrates order and celebrates the beauty of sort of the academic, if you will, classic classical ballet technique, sort of for our time, if you will. It's very uh, uh, stripped of everything else, so we just see, see the dancer's technique, and uh, it's a Ballet revered by the dancers, and they uh, look forward to to performing it very much. So those are the four works. A lot of contrast in there. Um, after the performance, Peter Bowl will be here with Sarah Pash. Sarah dances in signature. She dances one of the demi soloists in uh, Theme and Variations. So she'll have a lot to say about those works. So you you're all very welcome to come back down after the performance. And I also, again, want to mention our uh, season encore performance, which is a week from Sunday, June 9th at 6.30 p.m. We're celebrating Jonathan Peretta who's retiring, and Rachel Foster, who's retiring. Rachel was with me down here last night for our conversation series. It was great. She talked about her career. Um, She started at 12, which was late, and she was in a company by 17. That's she has real aptitude for ballet. Um, that's a very concentrated period of time. Uh, Jonathan will be dancing *Prodigal Son* by Balanchine, the entire *Prodigal Son* at his request. Rachel has three things to dance. She's dancing *After the Rain* *Poda* by Christopher Wheeldon, which is very beautiful, a very uh, well-known work. Many dancers love to perform it, and I think audiences love to see it. She's dancing a duet from Nacho Duato's Rassemblement, and she's dancing uh, one of the leads in Silent Ghost by Alejandro Ceruto, which, we, uh, which had its PMB premiere here in November. There'll be a little bit of theme and variations. There'll be All of Bacchus by uh, Matthew Neenan, uh, which means I have to conduct again. So I will do it and also handle distributing flowers. So it's my two roles, and the flowers is harder. So So I hope you'll come. I mean, it's a great uh, program. So if you'd like to come and, and celebrate those dancers or see this great repertory, please do. Yes, please, Pippa. Uh, these, yes, so the comment is about, uh, Mark Zappone has designed costumes for three out of four works, and Rico Chiarelli has, uh, lit all of them. So, the signature costumes are the originals. The, uh, Tarantella and Thema Variations costumes date from the 1980s, and those were Mark's own designs, and we were given permission to create our own designs for those ballets. Uh, by the George Balanchine Trust, and then the Moore's Pivon uh, costumes by Pauline Lawrence. Those we copied the originals of those, and then the des- design as well. Too often with the Balanchine ballets, they will allow the resident designer of a particular house or company to to create that design. Um, so that's the story there. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, please. Yes, uh, Rico Randall G. Chiarelli is also retiring officially. We're doing a number of works over the next few seasons that he has lit, so he has agreed to come back in while we're in the theater to uh, supervise the lighting for those. Uh, Leray Teige Haskell, who's been costume shop manager since 1987, is also retiring. Yeah. We have some really long-time, very important uh, artistic staff uh, retiring this year. So we will also honor them on the 9th of June. Yeah. Anybody else with a question? No? OK, well, we are at about time. So I'm um, very glad you're here tonight. I think it's great repertory for ballets. And please remember, you're welcome to come back down for the Q&A after the performance. Thank you.